Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You guys doing okay today? Yeah. You happy that summer is pretty much here? Yes, yes, that always makes everything better for me. Uh, after years of um, being stubborn and um, not getting a hammock at our house, uh, I decided um, that we would get one for Amarilla for her birthday last week, and now that's like the new favorite place at the Angala house. So I don't know, I was just being stubborn. It was weird. You could talk to me about it after. So we are finishing up a series today uh, called WWJD, What Would Jesus Deconstruct? And I don't know if you have ever heard that term deconstruction, maybe before you uh, started listening uh, to some of our messages here, uh, but... This is, according to a Christianity Today article that was written earlier this year, it calls deconstruction the new trend. Now, I don't particularly love that idea that it's a new trend. I understand why some would think that and why someone would call it that. But actually, we're arguing that deconstruction has really been around since the beginning of time. We are all deconstructing in our life, no matter kind of what you believe, maybe what your faith background is. um, We are all doing this. It should be an ongoing process. But depending on who you talk to, deconstruction is viewed very differently. Some look at it as a very unhealthy thing. You should not go there. That's dangerous. I, and again, I, I understand the sentiment. I would not agree. Um, we would say, you know, we wanted to do this series of messages because we feel that deconstruction is actually something that can be, can be beneficial to you. We would suggest that it's necessary in growing your faith. And so over the last couple of weeks, Carrie's taken us through some examples, even in the Bible where deconstruction, people were deconstructing what they had thought, what they had assumed about God, about their faith. Even talked about where Jesus instructed people to go back and stop and think and go and look at that thing. So simply put, what is Deconstruction. And I'm just going to say this is Tom's simple definition, okay? Deconstruction is the process of breaking something down. Breaking something down into smaller parts. We're taking apart something big. Maybe we've looked at this whole thing as a, as a package for so long. We're taking that. We're reevaluating it at its very core. And so the purpose of deconstruction is so that we can evaluate more closely what we believe, why we believe that, and then we can understand the ultimate big picture by breaking it down into smaller parts. So it's a process of re-evaluation. It's a process of investigation. It's a process um, of inspection. Now, I've told you before, I really enjoy... um, 
documentaries, true crime. I'm, a, I'm kind of a true crime podcast junkie. And so I'm listening to one podcast now that actually is all about cold cases. And so now they're reopening, or these cases that have been opened up to reinvestigation after 20 years, 30 years, and sometimes 40 years of time. And of course, those original investigators aren't there anymore, so the, the new investigator comes onto the scene, or an investigative reporter, and, and they take this thing that is kind of all rolled up, and they just go back way right to the beginning to try to figure out what really happened and reconstruct everything. And the truth is, in life, we do this all the time. We do this all the time. Again, it doesn't need to be about faith. I'm thinking about how I'm spending my time, what I'm going to do with my life. We do this all the time. And certain things, we got to kind of tear away. We got to come back and say, you know what? I used to do this. This used to be in my single life, but now I can't do that anymore. But even when it comes to faith, I would say it's more important. And you say, why, Tom? We've heard this. It seems, all right, we got it. We get the point. Well, it's because I want to share with you another article, actually, is a Gallup poll that was done over the last couple years. And the research came out a couple months ago, actually, right before Easter. And when you say, Tom... Carrie, why are you guys talking about this process of deconstruction and reconstruction and all this? Here's why. I want you to listen to these statistics. If you're watching online or if you want to go back and go to our website later, the links to this Gallup poll are there. You can read it for yourself. It's kind of longer. I'm going to summarize some of the points that stick out to me and why for the Christian church, we need to be in tune with what's going on here. Listen to this. For the first time in 80 years... Church attendance overall in America has dropped below 50%. Actually, at the time of this article, uh, at the time of the study, it was 47% to be precise. And really, they were collecting information through 2020, so I would assume it's lower now. So now, you, for the first time in American history, less than half of the people in our country that are polled would say, church, not for me. Not for me. Just since 2010, there's a significant drop-off. There's been a major uptick in the percentage of people who have no religious preference over the past several years. So if you ask someone, what faith are you from or what's your background, they would say, I'm a nun. I have nothing. Okay. But in addition to that group, even those who identify with a specific religion or denomination, church attendance has still drastically gone down, like off the cliff in the last 10 to 12 years. Some of you might uh, guess church attendance or membership strongly correlates with age, with around 60% of people age 58 or older would say they attend church, okay? But listen to this. 36% of people between the ages of 26 to 41 would say they attend church. That's a lot of, I almost said us, a lot of you in this room. 36% of millennials are connected to a church. 
And again, like I said, though there is major decline across the board, church attendance among the following subgroups are in the steepest decline since the year 2000. And now before I read these, realize that some of you may fit all five, I think it's five, five of these categories. So about what I'm about to say is in these five subcategories, we see the steepest decline of church connection. That's with Catholics, Hispanics, women, Democrats, and East Coasters. This is why it is so important to zero in. Why do I believe what I believe? What does this mean? Does this really make sense for me anymore? And we're asking you to consider that. This is what the article said. One of the conclusions we're forced to draw is that continued decline in future decades seems inevitable, given the much lower levels of religiosity and church membership among younger versus older generations of adults. It just makes sense. Your kids and my kids are going to be even less likely, maybe than that 36%, even walk in a church door. So what do we do with this information? And so for a few minutes, I want to share with you my heart for Hope Church. Here's the first thing I want to say really quickly. Your faith, your faith needs to be yours. Your faith needs to be yours. Your faith is not something that is passed down to you. You've got to take ownership for what you believe. The time for doing things for tradition's sake is over. The time for going to church or professing a faith because you feel it might please someone, whether that be a spouse or a parent or whatever it might be, that's over. I am calling you, we are calling you to own your own faith. And we'll come back to that more in a bit. The second thing I would say is you have to come to terms with what you believe and why. You see, in our culture, we're constantly bombarded with alternate truths. And with the advent of the internet and various forms of technology, the world has gotten smaller. You know this. The world has gotten very, very small. And now we, and this is a good thing, we are introduced to more diversity in our life of people, of cultures, of religions, of ideologies in a way, listen to me, that no previous generation has ever experienced. Do you realize that? And what this has done is a couple things. Number one, it's introduced people to alternate belief systems. And number two, it has heightened the awareness of the value of other people. Again, a good thing who live in alternative ways to what you may have been taught. And all of these things should make us pause. All of these things should make us evaluate again. All of, us think, all of these things should drive us back to Scripture and ask WWJD. This deconstruction, absolutely necessary part of our journey to make things make sense. 
And, and I, let me say this too. I don't think this is just for Christians. I'm not talking just to people who have said, I, I'm a Christian and I profess faith. I think this is for even people who are on the journey or say, no, the God, God is not for me. We are all deconstructing something. It's really, really important that we do. We got to go back and figure out why. So it reminds me of a story in the Bible. I believe it's Acts chapter 17, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 17. Uh, verse 11 and 12, and it highlights a group of people. I believe this will be up on the screen. It says this, and the people of Berea listened eagerly to Paul's message. So I'm going to stop really quickly. We have this group of people in this town named Berea, and they said they came to hear Paul speak about this new thing called the way, the way of Jesus. And what I find, what they did is fascinating. It says, they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. I love that. This group of people were owning it and saying, you know what? I'm not going to just take what you say for face value. I'm going to go back and I'm going to look and I'm going to search the scriptures myself to see if I can believe about this thing called the way. And then that second part of that verse says, and as a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent women and men who were Greek. I love that. I love that this group of people took it upon themselves to say, we're gonna go check this out. But I want you to notice something about truth. Truth didn't change, did it? It's just that the way their minds thought about truth changed once they began to explore and to dig in. The truth was always there. In other words, when this group of people had their assumptions of truth challenged, okay, whatever their religious belief or whatever their religious system was, when it was challenged by Paul and Silas and they went and they searched, it drove them deeper into investigation. It drove them to deeper questions. And so I'd like to say this, and you might want to Write this down in your notes. You might want to put this out later. You want to think about it. But I'm going to say this. Whenever doubt is introduced, there's an opportunity for your faith to grow deeper. Whenever doubt is introduced, there's an opportunity for your faith to go deeper. And so that leads me to my big idea today, and it's this. Deconstruction is always an opportunity for reconstruction. Deconstruction is always an opportunity for reconstruction. And for the next several minutes, I want to talk about that. I think this is going to be one of the most important messages that I've preached all year. I'm asking you, put away some of the distractions. Figure out, we're going to go from here. I really think God has called us to this place today for a reason. I want to look at a passage of scripture this morning that's fascinating to me. We're going to just look at it briefly. It stuck out to me. I actually heard another pastor talk about this over the last couple of months, and I'm like, I have to use it. Like, this, this was perfect for this series, and we're going to find it in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 and 17. We're going to go there in just a second. But I want to set it up really quick. This is actually the last passage of, this is the last chapter in the book of Matthew, okay? So Matthew is one of the gospels, one of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's found in the Bible. And basically, if I was summarizing, the gospels are the stories of Jesus' life. 
So now we're at the end of one of the accounts. So you could just imagine, this is kind of like the ending of, uh, you know, what's going on. So Jesus was born, of course. He lived. He died on the cross. He resurrected from the grave. And he, he was around the earth. He, he met up with people for about 40 days. And he says, come see me. In fact, let's pick it up right there. Matthew 28, verse 16. He says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee. Remember, there's 11 now. There's not 12 anymore. Because one of them gave up the faith. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. And some of them doubted. I'm going to read that again. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. You're talking, Tom, the 11 people who walked with Jesus on your... Yep. Wait, wait, wait. You're talking about the people who, like, wrote some of the books of the Bible? Yep. Wait, I think I've heard somewhere where some of them actually were killed for... Yep. You're talking about people that were hung for their faith, that were burned in vats of oil? Yep. These 11 people that Jesus called to come meet him before he ascended into heaven, by the way, to go and prepare a place for us, they worshiped him. God, we love you. You are awesome. We, we try, but, but I'm just not sure. Some of them doubted. Listen to this. Faith is not the absence of doubt. There's this verse, Hebrews 11 I'm still trying to wrestle it to the ground. I want to do a message about it some way, but it's really an interesting verse. But it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Which in the Bible, that really means more like confidence. But still, it's this thing of, we're not really, can't wrestle it all, right? It's the faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're going to have doubt, but here's the thing. Doubt can draw us deeper. Doubt can drive us something to even more secure. We should not be afraid of it. Doubt is normal. Doubt can be a good thing. Oswald Chambers, he's a, a man who lived a long time ago. He wrote this really famous uh, devotional called My Utmost for His Highest. That's how I know of him. He said this once. He goes, doubt is a sign that someone is thinking. The famous verse that a lot of you know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works. No one's going to be able to boast about it. There's a faith component. It does not eliminate doubt. It's always going to take faith. And if it is doubt, that leads to a process of deconstruction. And then that is progress because deconstruction all, should always lead to reconstruction. It's an opportunity for reconstruction. With all of my heart, for the next few minutes, I want to encourage us all today that throughout this lifelong process of examining our faith and what we believe and having to tear some things away, 
as you deconstruct and as you reconstruct, I have a few things from my pastor's heart that I need to say about it as we wrap it up. And I know for a fact some of you need to hear this. I know for a fact that some of you need to take a hold of this and you need to think about it and you need to take some action with it. There's three quick things I want to say. As you go through this process of deconstructing in order to reconstruct something, here's what I want to say. Number one, you need to be honest. The first thing I'm going to say about a healthy reconstruction of your faith is I'm going to implore you to be honest. Be honest with yourself about this. Truth is only going to be found outside of yourself. Truth is only going to be found outside of yourself. Think about this for a minute. Think about this for a minute. What I just said goes against probably almost everything you have ever heard, been bombarded with over the last however many years that you've lived because the prevalence in our culture are things like this. If you feel it in your heart or follow where your heart leads you, this is the way to ultimate happiness. No, I'm here to say this is the way to ultimate destruction. Trust me, I'm serious and I don't say that lightly. You do not want to find the answers of the doubt within yourself. If that was an even logical idea, then we wouldn't have any doubts in the first place. That's the way I see it. We need something much bigger, much more transcendent than us. I read this somewhere. I'm not really sure where I read it. It's a quote from somebody. He says, if we are such the ever-evolving into something better society we claim we are, then why are we as a culture drawn increasingly towards despair, negativity, and cynicism? And he answers that question and says, because in our hearts we cannot deny the inescapable truth. We need a solution. And so I'm imploring you, again, from my heart, for people who I know right at Hope Church who are going through this very thing, as you search for truth, be honest with yourself. And fundamentally start with the idea that you or any other human is not a good place to start. Your search needs to start with something transcendent, much bigger, much more powerful than you. Here's the second thing I'll say. We need to be humble. We need to be humble. As we go on this journey, we need humility. The process of deconstruction should be a humbling process. It should be a process where we take it and we lay it all down and we say, okay, what do I do with this? What am I missing? Where am I falling short? How can I seek correction on something that I may have been out of line with or may have misbelieved? Here's the thing, though. In this new trend of deconstruction, I often find an air about that that's kind of opposite of humility. This is just me. Maybe this is not your experience. This is my experience. This, this idea that we've gotten to this higher knowledge, this idea that we have a corner on truth that maybe somebody else doesn't have, this idea uh, that, you know, one day you'll get there because, you know, if you really think it... Listen, I'm just going to say this. When I go back to the Bible... And I look at someone, King Solomon, we've talked about him before. I would consider him one of the wisest people to ever live. You know what he says in his book? He says, 
There's nothing new under the sun. You and all the things that you think that you've got this corner on or we're more enlightened maybe because we're a more advanced culture now than we were even a couple... No, listen, there's nothing new under the sun. People have searched it for years and years, thousands of years. And I would just say we need to be careful of not falling into that kind of elitism or self-righteousness maybe. And so as, I, as you walk through this journey, I beg of you, be humble with it. Here's my confidence in this, that when we're truly earnestly seeking truth, God's not going to let us down. Actually, in Scripture, he says, when you seek me, you'll find me. And so having said that, it's a deeply personal thing. Uh, the next point and final thing I want to say might sound a little bit like a contradiction, but I don't think it is. The third thing from my heart to yours as you go through this process of figuring this out is to, three, stay connected. Stay connected. Stay tethered to a church. Even if you have, even if you have real issues, with, stay tethered to something. Stay tethered to people that you trust. We disagree with people about things all the time in various areas. It, like matters of church and God and faith are no different. You, we need people in our life, safe places that we can tether to, even with our questions. Most Christians that I know, and again, this might be your experience, might be different, and I, I'm really sorry if it is, but most Christians that I know are not going to sit there and judge you and condemn you for your wrestles, for your questions, for your struggles. Most Christians that I know have a desire to walk alongside. They're not going to try to convince you otherwise. They just want to be there for you. And staying tethered and connected, listen to this, do not lose this, gives you something that you deeply need to experience. Staying tethered to people gives you a chance to receive something you deeply need to experience. And what do you think that is? Grace. We need to experience the grace of people in our lives more than we think we do. A lot of times we take this idea, I've got this, this is my journey, whatever. No, sometimes we just need to experience full and free grace from the people in our lives. Not for anything, but we live in a world, you know this, of zero grace. Cancel culture means that we get one chance, and we get one chance only. And after that, you are left to fend for yourself. And for me, as long as I have the opportunity that God gives me in complete humility... I encourage us, be careful. Listen, Christians, by definition, we are countercultural. Therefore, as people of grace received, we ought to be people of grace given. Do you hear me on that? I'm going to say that again. As people of grace received, 
When we did not deserve it, when we did not merit it, when Jesus did that for us on the cross, gave us opportunity to be with him, we now in turn have to give big grace back to people. And so in conclusion, I think if I was boiling it down to where my heart, to where Carrie's heart has been, are these kind of bullet points. We want to change the negative perception of the term deconstruction. We're encouraging you, every single one of you, to challenge your assumptions about God, the church, faith. We want to clearly maintain a posture here at this church that we are going to get some things wrong sometimes. We are never, ever going to arrive at being a fully committed follower of Jesus. Faith and discipleship is a long, a lifelong process. We are encouraging and doubling down on Hope Church being a safe place to wrestle with truth and asking questions because we believe it's a critical part of the faith journey. And I'm calling on all churches for the same thing. We're encouraging you as individuals to be a safe place for people. Be people of grace. Let them know you by your love and by your grace. We want to normalize the issue of doubt. Doubt does not need to lead to destruction of the faith. It can be a great thing. So parents, don't be surprised and freaked out when your kids are starting to doubt and ask questions. Use it as teachable moments. And in that journey, be humble and be honest. Pastors, don't freak out when people in your churches are asking questions and are wrestling with really big things. Be places of grace. And something that Carrie said stuck with me a few weeks ago. She says, walking away or wrestling can lead to resilience and resurrection. And I believe that. When we go in and we start this deconstruction process, you know, I think she did a great job last week of talking about our foundation. So that's kind of a jump off today. When we find something wrong, in our home, maybe there's a water leak. I don't know. That's just my personal experience. <laughs> we don't get out a bulldozer and take the whole thing down. We renovate the room. We have a foundation. And we're going to sing about that in a second. In fact, all of our songs today I asked, listen. This, this is so critical. We need to have a foundation of truth outside of ourselves. That's where the process of deconstruction and reconstruction begins. Tear out the bad. Rebuild the good. Renovate the room. Don't tear down the house. Deconstruction is always an opportunity for reconstruction. So we're going to sing a song. I want you to listen to the words. Listen to these words. It says this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 
when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. And when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Why? Because Christ alone is our cornerstone. The foundation is so critical. And so as we lead into a time, and I'm excited about this time, that we get to observe communion together as a body, as a people in this community, as we do this, leading up to this, I want us to sing the song. I want us to reaffirm. Oftentimes we just don't do that enough. In your hearts, in the way that you are most comfortable talking with God as we sing the song and as we go into communion right after, just be thinking about that.